Yeah, and, every, and everybody that is on the line tonight, I am so grateful to be here. I give honor to God and also to um, Apostle Teresa for allowing me this privilege to come before you to, tonight. Um, and for those of you that missed it on Sunday, oh my God, but let me just say for the last couple months, if we have not been transformed by what we have been learning, if we have not, um, if we have not been uh, driven to our knees <laughs> um, in prayer and, and really asking the Lord to search us and to get us to a place of um, true repentance, which is not just saying I'm sorry, although <laughs> being sorry um, is part of it, grieving over sometimes our ignorance, sometimes our own disobedience, sometimes just not even understanding what it was that God uh, was requiring of us. But I'm telling you that every single message that has been taught in this series on the apostolic and the prophetic, and I am, I've never heard anything like it, and I'm sure those of you can agree with me that it's been mind-blowing. And even for those of us that have not just listened, but those of us that have been asked to teach, the more we dig in, the more is revealed to us about us. And as Apostle always says, um, that we're not trying to, you know, blast anybody out or, or get to the place where we're trying to tear anybody down by their beliefs or what they do. But what is happening, and this is one of the, um, I'll just read a few of the notes from um, Sunday. And she talked about the two indis indisputable cornerstones of the prophetic, that we are ever learners, always learning, cleansing our spirits from distraction, impurities, and anything that distracts. So how many of you have, have had those kind of days and weeks where you may not have even been aware that certain things were distracting because some things could be good things, but they're not God things. But if we will allow Holy Spirit to really get us to a place of being sensitive to his voice and what he wants to do and being led by him, then there are certain things we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll turn away from, we'll cut off. And I'm myself really finding myself in that place um, where there have been things that are, they're not bad things, but um, the Lord is fine-tuning our, our vision. What does that mean? That we can really behold him and his desires for us so that we aren't continually distracted and have our, our neck on a swivel. So um, the, uh, some of the, more, the notes from Sandy, the prophetic is an inward belief, belief and we're going to be talking about um, the prophetic and, and magic tonight, but I want you to know, so this is what I'm releasing is will be elementary. You know, on Sunday when Apostle comes back, she will be definitely digging more into um, this topic because I am sure that most of us have had the kind of um, exposure to, to some of the things we, we call prophetic. Um, and it is not, uh, a lot of it has been rooted in magic and, and to our uh, dismay, we've had to get to the place where we, we need to be able to really discern uh, the truth from the false. So I'm going to get this on. Those of you, I'm encouraging you. Uh, Minister Sam has said that the lesson for um, Sunday is already uploaded. 
on YouTube. Please, please, please go and listen. And not just that, we can go back and listen to all the previous teachings because you know what? The more that we hear, the more it gets nailed down into our hearts and the more that we can walk this stuff out. We can't just, it can't just be a one-time thing. We need to listen and listen and listen and eat and eat and eat until the word becomes a part of us. You know why? Because it's just like a diet. So some of us may need to lose a few pounds, a few areas, but uh, my father would always say, you know, you can't look for a miracle it took some time to get in that, you know, that weight category, and it might take a man to take it off. So the same thing applies that we, if we would be diligent in getting to the place where we would be um, selective about what we spiritually eat, and we don't eat from every table, but we eat good food that is nourishing to our souls. So let's dig in tonight. I'm going to share my screen. Oh my goodness. Please let me know if you all can see that, okay? It's okay. Um, we are going to get with it. Okay. All righty. So it may look a little weird. I don't know what's going on, but we're just going to go for it. Okay. So we're grateful tonight is our Tuesday night Bible study. We're grateful for Apostle Teresa Harvard Johnson. She's the overseer. And we have been studying true apostolic and prophetic ministry. Tonight, we are going to talk about the real prophetic. Is it magic or is it ministry? All right, let's go. We're also going to, you know, we just want to remind you that this is a copyright disclaimer. Everything that you're seeing here or whatever images that I have in this presentation, I've either purchased um, or used from public domain. I am not a doctor, lawyer, counselor, or therapist. The information I present is based on personal study of Bible, my own life experiences, education, certifications, personal research, and or discussion with subject matter experts. The Scribal, Scribal Conservatory Overview, many of you know that. And you know what? I really found that I need to know this by heart. You know why? Just because we need to know <laughs> what are we talking about? Why do we believe what we believe? Why are we a part of this community? I think it's really important that we know that what the conservatory is, that it's a college or university of study as conservators, we're guardians and protectors of specific body of knowledge. Um, we need to be in a place where we can truly uh, be the preservers and the guardians of truth. Okay. Um, we consider the following principles, transforming nations through renewing our mind, reinforcing covenant because Jesus is the mediator of the better covenant. We elevate Christ above man because Christ is worthy of greater honor than Moses and everybody else. And increasing understanding um, that we store up sound wisdom. He stores up sound wisdom for the righteous. Okay, let's go a little further. So what is this lesson about? We're still learning how to make Christ a true priority. We're still digging out our own selfish motives and mandates. And while you may feel like you are walking on earth with wings and that there's nothing wrong, I am telling you that we're in a season where God is digging up stuff. There's been things that we may have thought uh, believed, um, held on to, 
for years. I don't care how long you've been saved, even if you got saved yesterday, there's always um, time for him to excavate. That's what I feel like it is, a digging up out all the other stuff that keeps him from really um, getting to a place in us that he might really be glorified. So we're filling in some holes and some cracks and some misalignments. Uh, we're creating a foundation, uh, which is to build better understanding of Ephesians 4 and 11, the callings and ministries. And these are notes. If you'll go back to your notes, these are the things that Apostle um, Teresa has been teaching us on. And we're further clarifying and making discerning, making discerning between the truth and the profane. So we need to see the prophetic from a simple perspective. We know that it's been deep and spooky stuff. Everything, you know, you can say one thing. So you, unless Holy Spirit has enabled us and we've been taught by him how to understand and know what's him and what's not him. And he really wants, to, wants us to know it in the simplest forms. And Apostle Teresa has done an excellent job of helping us to understand what it is. So before we look at its activation for external ministry, sorry about those typos. Our foundation is Christ from the very beginning. We have to understand that our foundation is Christ, 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 12, but each one must be careful how he builds. So did you know you were expected to build? But how are you building? This is the Apostle Paul speaking. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then here he is again. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Now, what have we, we learned so far about the prophetic? Here's some things that, you know, Apostle has been laying it line upon line. And she has said this for the past couple of weeks, but it bears repeating. The two cornerstones of the prophetic is what Jesus said. I only speak what the Father says, and I only do what I see the Father do. And uh, that was John 5, 19. And when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, oh God, he's, he's so much different than, than how we are. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. That is his directive. That is what he's going to do. He's only going to say what he hears the Father say. So you can see they're all in alignment. They're all in agreement. Nobody is having a mutiny. They're all saying this is how it's going to work. We are only going to speak what the Father is saying. We're only going to do what we see the Father do. That just reminds me, too, that we have to be in a, in a place where we can hear him, you know, that our, eye, our ears have to be circumcised and our eyes have to be purified so that we can hear and see what he's saying. Okay, next one. The prophetic is the tangible and intangible 
presence of God with us and all of its releases without measure. That just blew me away. That the Holy Spirit that we have in us, around us, doing everything, that is without measure. So why don't we take advantage of that? I think we're going to answer um, that question a little later. Um, Holy Spirit is the presence released through Holy Spirit. The presence is released through the Holy Spirit. These are the names that we call him. God's spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of God, comforter, the anointing, the breath of God, the wind of God, counselor, the fire of God, etc. And even later on, we even said that we are, he is our umbilical cord to the father. I thought that was such um, a good visual representation of how we are connected. Next, we use variant terms to describe his earth manifestations and releases among us. For example, miracle signs, wonders, discernment. It is critical that we see that the person of Holy Spirit is God himself. It, he is a he. He is not an it. I, I really believe that the body of Christ, hopefully, are coming into the place. And I still see it every now and then where people will say it, it, it. But it's not a it. It's not like it's a, a, a monster or uh, even though uh, some of the terminologies we've used in the past have said ghost and it has made um, it kind of spooky. So we call it it, but he is he definitely is not that. He is a person. And we must know Holy Spirit. There it is again. He is our umbilical cord. So what's the difference between true prophetics and magic? And you know, except we've been enlightened of late, we may have confused the manifestations of the two, thinking that uh, one was God when it really wasn't. So here are the definitions for magic. This is from um, online dictionary and it said the power of apparently influencing the course of events by using mysterious or supernatural forces. So um, take a, a note of that word, mysterious or supernatural. Uh, one of the ideas when I thought about magic is the worship and seeking of supernatural powers other than God. Magicians consider themselves self-enlightened. So I added mag magicians in there because even though uh, for the most part, those that practice magic in the church wouldn't consider themselves magicians, although some would. When I think of what a, a magician would be, well, you know, sleight of hand and, and uh, pulling rabbits out of hats and, you know, making these appear and disappear. And I want you to uh, pay close attention to that word slight, you know, the sleight of hand. Um, but we know, however, it is motivated by self, by showmanship, um, applause of men, ego, money. They're selfishly motivated. It is always rooted in pride because the magician seeks to be known or made known. What is the prophetic? This is, Again, this particular first one is um, from online dictionary. Accurately describing or predicting what will happen in the future. He knows uh, the mind of the Father that, that is Holy Spirit. It is Holy Spirit driven 
He only speaks and acts to glorify the Father. That's, that's his whole mission. He only seeks, he only speaks, he only acts to glorify the Father. And may the Lord really um, get us to a place of being so focused that we are aware of everything uh, that would dishonor him or, or just, you know, not give him the, the credit and the glory that he deserves. Holy Spirit empowers us to become one. The words that the Father has spoken, that Jesus spoke, that they might be one, that was a prophetic declaration and a prayer. And it is Holy Spirit's job to get us to the place of understanding and seeking and knowing our place in him, which is one another. And we have that, that wonderful community of fellowship and love. So, how can we tell the difference between true prophetics and magic? Now, if you will, I want you to think for a minute. I'm sure that you may have had some um, experiences that you thought were prophetic or that you might think are prophetic currently, but they may not be. So let's just look um, what it might be. So true prophetics, relies and only presents on, in presence. The magicians or magic is pretense. True prophetics, we are submissive. We walk in submission. Not to do that would be rebellion. We embrace humility. These are the things that we have to embrace to walk in true prophetics, to understand and to know. Uh, if we want to walk in magic, we'll walk in the hype. It's always something, you know. Uh, <laughs> I was I was uh, laughing with my grandson about something, and they were talking about the hype man. And when the term first came out, I was like, the hype man, what is that? And he began to tell me it's the one that hypes up the crowd. And we have been in some of the services where they feel like they have to hype you up with the music or, you know, scream at you to tell you to do stuff. Maybe they're shouting it um, because you're not performing. So that is not something that that would honor or that Holy Spirit would lead us to do. We are to walk in humility. We are to walk honestly and not in subtlety. We walk in truth and not lies. And I don't know about you, but I know that I have um, had the, I call it a privilege. And one of uh, apostles um, teaching, she said, how blessed we are when we understand that conviction is a blessing. And I want to tell you that I have been con convicted by these messages she has been sharing about um, inner lies that we have believed um, why we have believed those lies. And, and sometimes we're not even sure how that lie got in or why we believed it. But I'm so grateful that Holy Spirit is allowing us uh, the privilege of his chastening and uncovering every single lie that we have held on to, that we have believed, that we have given a, a seat at the table and, and set a placemat for and fellowshiped with that. Um, because these things 
a lie will hinder. It will not allow us the freedom to, you know, grow closer and, uh, because a lie might even have us believe that God doesn't love us. It might have us believe that that um, everything that God has has said in his word, every good thing, every perfect gift that comes down from the Father that we're not eligible to receive, that he's pouring blessings out of the windows of heaven, and but uh, we ain't getting the blessings, we getting the rain or the, or the uh, lightning bolt or whatever, whatever lie that we have believed, that he won't heal us, that he won't deliver us or whatever we have been standing in need for. The enemy, the adversary wants those lies to continue to grow. And here comes Holy Spirit that is disrupting the light, that's peeling back all the layers of untruth and presenting his plan for us. And I'm so grateful that uh, we've been destroying some lies. I, I, I hope I'm not by myself in this. I'm hoping that you have been allowing Holy Spirit to work those things out in you as well. Um, with that, um, true prophetics, we run from the lights. We ain't no, we trying, we're not trying to get the glory. Uh, the magic people, they run into the lights because they want that. They want what they believe is the honor and the limelight. True prophetics is word-based. Uh, the magic is personality-based. True prophetics is Holy Spirit-led. The magic is audience led because they live for that applause, the applause of men instead of the applause from heaven. True prophetics is careful. The magic is careless. True prophetics pursues reconciliation. And one of the things that um, Apostle Teresa nailed in is that no matter what kind of ministry we have all of us here on this line that have been called by God to do something in the earth that if our ministry is not pursuing reconciliation of humanity in some way that we have missed God. The magic destroys uh, relationships and, and destroys any, any um, chance of reconciliation, whatever that may mean. Um, True prophetics is modest, not always trying to um, show out or show. Uh, magic is showy. The prophetics of the Lord is pure. Magic is profane. And finally, and I heard this today on a radio show while I was driving um, home, that there is a great need now to be visible, to be seen and without checking the credibility. So I think that what we need to do is take a deep dive. And I'm hoping that as we're going through this lesson that we can see that we need to make some changes. There we go, all right. Um, okay, now. Let's talk about some, I was just amazed. I found um, one of the things that I have been seeing of late has been deep fakes. And I don't know, I'm hoping, maybe you have, have heard about it, but um, it sounds real, it looks real, but it ain't real. 
So these defects, and you can see them, that's why it's so imperative that we know Holy Spirit, because you can be led away by social media commentary, the news, what your neighbor says, what your family thinks. It could be any of that. So we have to know the truth from the one reliable source, which is Holy Spirit. Now, um, Deep Faith is an AI-created kind of um, software that uh, mimics the person. So the one of the uh, people that I saw was they had on the right hand um, ex-president Barack Obama. And on right next to him was another digitally created um, facade of him saying his same words, speaking in the same tone, want you to listen, and 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 if you didn't know better, you could almost confuse the AI, the deep fake for the real. So why am I saying that? This is so important because in this time, and they say in the latter days, careless times will happen. It, there will be so much stuff going on that if we don't have Holy Spirit, we will be deceived. We will embrace the magic, whether it is a deep fake on anything. Uh, and in in church, in the media, in politics, education, everything, because now everything can be deep faked. So let's look at this in scripture. Let's start in the Old Testament. So here it is, the witch of Endor. It's first Samuel 28 and 6. So here was Saul. Um, he's asking by asking the Lord, and and the Lord ain't paying him no attention. He's not talking to him. He ain't getting no dreams, no revelation. He don't feel no wind blowing. He don't have nothing, no kind of manifestation going on. So here he is. He gets desperate. So it says, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by the prophets. Um, Urim was a breastplate that the priests wore, and they had stones in them, and, and the stones would light up and give them uh, the message or the direction in which they they needed to go, but the Lord wasn't responding in any of those things. Now, I don't know about you, but it's really important that when the Lord is silent, that we don't try to reach out and touch stuff that might get us into some trouble. Anyway, so then says Solomon to his servant, seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. Okay, do y'all see what's going on here? He's desperate now, so now he's going outside of the boundaries that God set for his people. I don't want you to consult a witch or wizard. Don't do that. So, and his servant said to him, behold, there's a woman. Now, mind you, there was a, um, a law that had been set that, no, uh, yeah, that we don't suffer and wish to live stuff. They were like that. And so she was afraid. So, he says, behold, there's a woman that hath a familiar spirit and say she had a Holy Spirit and she's at Endor and saw disguised himself and put on other raiment. And he went and two men with them and they came to the woman by night. See, they had to sneak around and do this. And he said, I pray thee divine unto me by the familiar spirit and bring me up who I shall name unto thee. So the rest of the story goes that he wanted, he couldn't get no word from God. So he wanted her 
to, to bring Samuel, who was already dead, raise Samuel up and have him give me a word. Do you see the extremes that people will go through if they can't get the answer that they want? So here was, here was one that he's dealing with her, and I encourage you to go to 1 Samuel 28 and read that whole um, interaction that happened with him. She was, it also talks about how afraid she was because when she called herself raising up uh, who it was and it was Samuel, she just knew that her neck was on the chopping block. So this really encourages us to really get to the place where we don't have to seek out familiar spirits. We ain't got to throw no dice or no bones. We don't, we don't have to try to dip into um, somebody to read our palm or look at a, a, a crystal ball. We have the Holy Spirit who can tell us everything. All right, let's go to the next one. Fake news. Okay, all of this stuff is fake. Okay. This is about Ahijah the prophet, 1 Kings 14, one through seven. This is one of my favorite prophet stories. My favorite. Listen, at that time, Abijah, the son and crown prince heir, now, Listen to the names. They, they sound similar, but they're not. Abijah is the son of Jer Jeroboam, and he's sick. Ahijah is the prophet of the Lord. Okay, now, at that time, Abijah, the son and crown prince, heir of Jeroboam, became sick. Jeroboam's wife said, Jeroboam said to his wife, please get up and disguise yourself. Do y'all see this? Do y'all see this, this crookery? Get up, disguise yourself so that people will not know that you are Jeroboam's wife. And go to Shiloh. Ahijah, the prophet, is there, the one who told me that I would be king over this people. Okay, now he didn't, he didn't act as a fool now, so now he want to resort, resort back to the prophet. He says, take with you 10 loaves of bread, some cakes, and a bottle of honey, and go to him. He will tell you what will happen to the boy. So they're desperate now. Now, he had done all this dirt. You'd have to really go back and listen to the history of idolatry and everything else where he, God raised him up, allowed him to be king, and now he's having the fool, and here he comes back. My, my baby's dying. I need, I need the prophet now. So now Ahijah could not see. So Ahijah, the prophet, was physically blind. It says, because his eyes were dim from old age. And the Lord said to Ahijah, I love it. God still speak when he couldn't see. He could still hear. Behold, the wife of Jeroboam is coming to inquire of you about her son because he is sick. You shall say such and such to her. But when she arrives, she will pretend. See, there we go. Disguise yourself. And now she will pretend to be another woman. So when Ahijah heard the sound of her feet as she came in the doorway, he said, come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why do you pretend to be another woman? For I have been, for I have been sent to you by God with a harsh message. Go tell Jeroboam, go tell your husband. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. So I just love the fact that even with disguises, with, with, um, Pretense, bringing fake news, Holy Spirit will reveal the whole truth and give us the A to Z, the beginning and the end and everything in between what we need to know. 
Amen. Now, here we are, not to be left out. People was trying to practice magic in the New Testament. So here we are, Elamis, he's a sorcerer and he's a subverter. It means he tried to break up the move of God. This is Acts 13, 5 through 12. When Barnabas and Saul arrived at Salamis, they began to preach the word of God, proclaiming the message of eternal salvation through faith in Christ. So simple, right? Easy. That, that's all they were doing, preaching the gospel. In the, in the synagogue of the Jews, they're trying to convert the Jews. And they also had John Mark as their assistant. When they had traveled through the entire island of Cyprus, as far as Paphos, they found a sorcerer, a Jewish. Nasty. Yeah. Are we okay, Prophet Andrea? Okay. We'll continue. So Elam is the sorcerer and he was a subverter. So here they are. Uh, when Barnabas and Saul arrived at Salamis, they began to preach the word of God, proclaiming the message of eternal salvation through faith in Christ in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John Mark as their assistant. When they had traveled through the entire island of Cyprus, as far as Paphos, they found a sorcerer a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was closely associated with the proconsul of the province of Sergius Paulus, an intelligent and sensible man. He called for Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God concerning eternal salvation through faith in Christ. Here was this man, he was an officer, he's on the proconsul, um, he's intelligent, he's sensible. He wants to hear about this Jesus. But Elamis, the sorcerer, for that is how his name is translated, opposed them, trying to turn the proconsul away from accepting the faith. So now here's what happened. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit and led by him, looked steadily at Elamis and said, you Elamis, who are full of every kind of deceit, that's what the root of magic is, deception. And every kind of fraud, and that's the twin brother, fraud. You son of the devil, enemy of everything that is right and good, will you never stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now watch, the hand of the Lord is on you and you will be blind. So blind that you will be unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he groped around, seeking people to lead him by the hand. The proconsul believed the message of salvation when he saw what had happened, being astonished at the teaching concerning the Lord. Now, that signs of miracles following. Here's another story. Now, I can't see the chat, so if you all need to see or say something to me, just say it. <laughs> Here's the last one. Um, Simon, the sorcerer still. This is in the book of Acts. So you know when they were filled with the spirit of the Lord and the Holy Spirit fell upon them and, and empowered them. These are the kind of manifestations that begin to happen. So here it is, Acts 8, 9 through 20. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria claiming that he was somebody great. 
to whom they all gave heed. He told them who he was and they all believed him from the least to the greatest saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in his simplicity and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. Okay, he was the one dealing with the sorcerer, but now here he is. He said, okay, this, this is pretty cool. Let me go with the crowd. He also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and just was amazed seeing the miracles and signs that were done. But this is where he got off. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They didn't know about him. He had heard it. But obviously they knew it was something that was needed because now they saw all the, these miracles and signs and wonders happening. And they wanted, earnestly wanted this. And so they laid hands on them and they received it. So simple, but they wanted it because they wanted to be empowered. Their motives were pure and because they were following the apostles. But now here he comes. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, Give me this power also that anyone whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But it boils down to his motive. Was his motive to really give glory to God? Was his motive to help people? No. His motive was that he might get glory. Because he was already bragging on himself earlier before the apostles came that he was a great person, that he was a great man of God. But Peter discerned him properly, and he said, your money perished with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Now, what is this? This is true discernment. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. So we know these scriptures, and we can probably quote them, but these are the things that highlight things, things we see so that we won't be deceived. Scripture, by their fruits, you shall know them. My sheep know my voice, and they follow me. To, to know him, our goal is to know him. Our purpose is to know him and make him known. In Galatians, it talks about the work of the flesh are these. I'm, I'm, I'm just giving you little pieces of what these scriptures might be. You can, you can reference them, write them down so that you know them. Here's another one. If the root is holy, so are the branches. So you can't have a root that's holy and the branches are rotten or the root that's rotten and the branches are holy. Whatever the root is, that's what the branches will be. If, if, the, if the root is rotten, the branches will be rotten. Okay, another one. Know them that labor among you. We need to know who's laboring among us. 
We need to, because magicians will learn of those that operate in now looking at um, magic leaderships, uh, they will use a legitimate scriptural reference to obtain an illegal outcome. So don't be surprised if they use the word, it's in the Bible, but the way they use it is incorrect. So we have to really be on our guard. We're almost done. So how do we, you know, we've talked about how we um, practice magic. I know we don't practice magic or that might be a lie that we have, have told ourselves. And because we could have been in, in ministries that said they were prophetic, but they operated in uh, magic. So maybe we need to have some of that washed away so grateful that the holy spirit is washing us clean and pulling out everything that might have been embedded that might make us look um like a porcupine <laughs> i just had that visual they you know the the effects of being in in atmospheres where certain things that we went along with things because that's what we all did i mean if our pastor or our leader or if the church members was rah-rahing or running or whatever it was we did it only because we didn't want to be left out of feel like the eyeball. But here's a newsflash. Be grateful for being an eyeball now. Be grateful for not being a part of the circus. Um, be grateful that God is opening up your eyes. Some of the things that I have heard, and I'll tell you one of my experiences. I was um, I was raised in the church, but newly saved. I mean, and I mean, really in earnest. I was saved as a child. But I mean, really in earnest seeking the Lord, um, I received Holy Spirit and was just excited. We had a community choir. So, you know, we were going around singing everywhere. It was just a wonderful time. Everything went <laughs> kosher. But during the time when I can, can uh, remember some of the things that happened and, and some of the outpourings that we had been, um, that we experienced, um, I can remember how the Lord began to uh, really deal with us, those of us that were really serious about him. So here we were. Um, I didn't know this then, but we were invited by a friend to, um, I don't think we were singing, but we were just coming to fellowship. Oh, great. Wonderful. You know, they kept saying, oh, we, we really have church. Now, now maybe it's just me, but I have been in and around uh, church folks, where the term that was the terminology. If you switch your hair out, if you broke your heel, if you ran around the block, if you did all these kind of things, if you turned flips like the Blues Brothers, you was having church. So that was the terminology that the that um, you would experience more of the presence of God. And we were young and hungry, so we went went to this place. It was a little storefront church, and before I could get in the door, good. My spidey sense was just going off. I was just like, why, did, why, why is it so dark in here? I mean, it was dark. It wasn't, you know, it's not, they didn't have lights, you know, on and, and everything. And I like light. That was probably um, because why I have problems now and I go to church where, you know, dark and smoky. Anyway, that's my own pet peeve. But anyway, we went in and they had these red lights. It was like, 
I ain't been in the club for a while, but this don't look right to me. So they were they were there and they had all these um, high priestly robes on, these pointed hats, and and you know they were singing and shouting and tambourine playing and everything. And I was just like, oh okay. And then when it came time for the money, they did their pitch about the money, but then they was putting the coins in, in a bowl of water. I was just like, oh, see this, uh, I don't know. So they had a few of the things that raised some flags and I was looking over at one of the sisters and she was looking over at me like, we gotta get out of here. Oh my goodness. So finally, you know, they was having church for like six hours. We were, Prophet Andrea, we were Baptists. You know, we had a time limit, like, and it was at night too. It was on a Sunday night. It was late. So, oh my goodness, we finally got out of there. When I got driving home, I think maybe I was about 19. Driving home, I had the worst headache. When I got home and got in the bed, I had tremendous nightmares. And because I couldn't name and I didn't understand, I talked to one of the sisters and she said, oh, that was a spiritualist church. I said, what is that? Okay, well, we don't never need to go back there or anywhere like it. But we didn't know. They have all kinds of, now that I look back, there was all kinds of magic stuff going on. So let's talk about now, that was just my story. I got a million of them, but let's just talk about us. How do we practice magic? So I believe that many of God's people practice magic unintentionally. We love God, but we are ignorant of the dangers we place ourselves and others in by our magic practices. So here, here are some examples. We walk in unbelief. We, unbelief is sin, and we just don't believe what God says. So we conjure up our own answers. Don't hear that? We conjure up our own answers to our prayers because we don't believe God will answer them or we don't like the way he already did. You submitted something to him, either he hasn't done it yet or he has and, and you just don't like it. So you walk on, walking in unbelief of what he said into your own thing. Or we want control. And this usually comes from disappointment in some area. And I'll give you a practical sense. My mother did it to me. I did it to my kids. My, my daughter's doing it to my grandkids. You tell them to do something. Take that trash out. Wash those dishes. And they don't do it. So then what do we do? Never mind. I'll do it myself. <laughs> We're trying to make them feel bad. And they don't care because they got out of doing it. Or we try to control them with our opinions. That's witchcraft. We want, now there's certain guidelines we do have to, so I don't want you just, you know, loose the reins, but when, when raising children, there are guidelines that we have to have and certain disciplines that we have to instill. Okay. Now, for those that are not our children, adults, we can't control them. We, you know, you, you're going to run up your blood pressure. Just let people be who they are. Pray for them, and but release them. We want to impress people and not God. When we find out what the heart of God desires and what it is, um, I remember uh, the scripture where Job was just doing his thing, just doing his thing. Love God 
He was upright, everything, and God began to brag on him because God was impressed by his lifestyle. But we want to impress people by the things that we do, maybe what we say, you know. This is how, it's all manipulation. Can you see it? This is how we practice magic. We secretly have a backup plan already. It's already. Our, our plan B is right next to plan A. Already, instead of trusting God fully, that giving that his plan A is all the plan that we need. Next, we try to manipulate God and people by being good. We pray more. We fast. Let's fast some more. Let's try to coerce and let's just let's kind of um, see if we can get God twist God's arm. That's what you're saying. He, you can't twist nothing about him. He is God. He's the unmoved mover. You can't move him. We try to manipulate God by doing other stuff. That's not even necessary. We are selfish. We want what we want. We refuse to consider what Holy Spirit is saying. Now, what I want to do while I'm going over these, I want you to pick out one or two. You feel like you might need some help. You might need to take off that, you know, that robe <laughs> or that that magic hat. Um, we run after celebrities. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, they're gonna be at the, at the Coliseum. Oh my God, you know, when they wave their hand, everybody falls out. Oh my God, did you hear the word that they get? Oh my God, they told me my phone number, my social security number. You see how foolish that stuff is? Because we like the deep and spooky. The spookier, the better. The deeper, even though it doesn't make sense, surely God must be in it. No, he's not. The Lord really likes simplicity. He likes light. He, he's light. <laughs> in him is no darkness at all. So when we, we behold him, um, I believe it is John 1, uh, 12, and him was light, or maybe 14, and him was light. And the light was the light of men. And darkness couldn't confound it, couldn't understand it. Darkness got confused about it. So why, don't we, why are we embracing these things? We want everything to be miraculous. We don't want to do the work. We want the shortcuts. That's not how it works. We believe we allow disappointment to open the door to seek other means, just like King Saul. He was disappointed. And if we'll be honest, there are times when we have, have questioned whether this thing is really God. Because we were so disappointed, we just couldn't imagine that maybe it was something else. Maybe we missed God, maybe we misunderstood um, his instructions or whatever. But that disappointment can open us up to other things that doesn't lead us to him. We believe that every dream is from God. Some of those dreams are pizza dreams. Some of those dreams are bad dreams. But everything is not rooted in God. Some of those dreams are rooted in our own selfish desires in our soul. We exalt the voice, manner, words of people over the voice, word, plan, and purposes of God. Let's look at that. In what ways? And, and I believe it was... Um, Minister Verubel, who really was nailing that 
in, in the lesson that she taught. In what way have we exalted man over Christ? In what way have we listened to their voices instead of his voice? Or, or paid attention to their mannerisms over how he was moving or um, their words instead of his word and his plan and his purpose for us. We fear that God, what God is really saying, we, we you know, we really have amnesia or we are like, we go deaf, you know, in that ear that he's speaking with because we don't really, we think <laughs> that he's gonna stop speaking. We think that he's gonna change his mind about what he said, but he is not. He said what he said. So our fear is that we are, God, for real? Is that really what you're saying? And lastly, we conjure up responses to desires that God never authorized. Amen. So if we look at these things, we walk, we want, we secretly, we try, we are, one, love, want, allow, we believe, we exalt, we fear, and we conjure. And all these things are leading us to, you know, the unbelief, the control, the impressing the wrong people, the planning the wrong things, the manipulation, our selfishness, um, the people that we adore and worship, the idols, the deep and spookiness, everything to be miraculous when it is not. All that leads to our disappointment and that every dream will not be of God. We listen to these voices that will fail us. And we hate and we fear what God is really saying. And we have conjured up responses to desires that are that God never authorized. So what are we doing? What, what's the next thing? How can we get past this? How do we disengage? We repent. We recognize that these things are an offense to God and we turn away from them. So repentance, like I said earlier, is not always the, you know, the crying and then the snotting and the laying out, although those things can happen when you are really sorry. But the repentance that God is looking for is a turning our hearts away from that idolatry. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 4 says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be, here is how he describes those that practice magic. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying his power and from such turn away. So one of the things that we want to, um, that we can do while we're working in our own personal homework, especially on this one, is just do the reverse. Where it talks about being lovers of themselves, then we start, I'm not saying you don't love and care for yourself. What I'm saying is we don't turn ourselves into an idol, like a prof, um, Apostle Teresa has has um, highlighted how some people have like a million um, photos of themselves. It's, it's self-worship. So we will, any form of that, we'll stop. Love is a money. We will, won't be selfish. And you'll go down through this list and, and just list the opposite. Okay, the next one, that we live the apostolic 
pillars when the apostle truth taught this faith, hope, and love, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abide as faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is Ahava. This is our safe place. As we engage in and are led by Holy Spirit, you will see that these things will always be um, in alignment with God's intention. We learn God's character by studying his word, Philippians 3, 9 through 10, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So the more that we know, we, we begin to know him, the more we'll be conformed and transformed. Next, trust Holy Spirit because he knows, he knows everything. First Corinthians 2, 9 to 13, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows, no one knows, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, not what magic is saying, but that which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man does not receive the spirit of God. Let me rephrase that. But the magical man does not receive the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. He's not gonna receive it. Neither can he know him. Holy Spirit isn't gonna reveal it to them because these things are spiritually discerned. But, but he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, these are just some instructions for us to embrace, and there is more to it. Um, and I can't wait till we can dig into this further and, and further teaching coming um, from Apostle Teresa about um, magic versus prophecy. But one of the one of the things that I want to leave you with is stop being nosy for the deep and spooky. Miss that and not God, not, not running after every wind of doctrine. Let's just settle that what we have is real and what we have is the truth and that there's so much that we don't know, but what we do know is enough to keep us free. All right. Praise God for you. I'm giving it back to you, uh, Prophet Andrea.